here we go. Looks like we're good to go. Yeah, we got to keep the <clears throat> we want to keep the banter tight. <laughs> <laughs> Again, it's on my Match.com profile. I know how to do tight. You're using Match.com. Uh, we don't we don't have time for this. We've done we've talked about this. Okay, before. I, yeah. I use Match.com because you were like born people in people who have jobs because you were born in 1943. No, I like people who have d- jobs. Other I'm people who were born out, in 1943. Uh, Dutch, but I don't go to San Francisco nearly enough. So, hi everybody. Welcome to a new episode of Two Drunk Fans. Gab is back after I recorded with Sarah Gerke, also known as Pickle. Um, Pickle? Yeah, Pickle. I thought you said we had to keep this tight. We couldn't do banter. Uh, so, Where Gab, does Pickle come from? You have to tell me where Pickle comes from. Gerke, because it sounds like gherkin. Are you serious? Yeah. That's, that's there's got to be more to it. Though. No, that's literally it. So, Gab, what are you drinking? I am drinking a pumpkin cider. Oh. I know, I know, I don't usually get into the pumpkin thing, but this was gifted to me over the weekend, so I'm trying it. What are you drinking? I'm drinking a UFO pumpkin ale. Oh, UFO. I like UFOs. It's I do from, too. like, Vermont? It's a, no, Harpoon Brewery. Oh. Yeah. Oh, I've been there. We have been there, yes. You and I, <laughs> have, at the same time. We have been there a couple of times. Yeah. So, Gab, what did you think about CONCACAF qualification? Um, I only saw the good parts. What good parts? Um, I didn't see the bad parts. I saw the USA-Haiti game. Uh-huh. I saw the USA-Mexico game. And I saw the USA-Costa Rica game. And by USA-Costa Rica, I was like, I'm proud of this team. <laughs> well, that's... that's I, I haven't seen the shit show that was whatever you guys we're going off about um but i was happy with the results i wasn't expecting um much more than what i got with usa costa rica was really happy uh that they just dominated um and that yeah they they looked they looked to be controlling things which is what you want your team to do is control things and uh, now I pass it over to you to rant about why I'm wrong and this team is going down the shitter. You're not exactly wrong. USA versus Costa Rica, they they got into a groove by then. But the thing is, it, it took them all of group and semis to fucking get into a groove against Costa Rica. And before that, I think they scored something like 21 goals over the course of the tournament. No. Yeah. <clears throat> scored 21. USA or Costa Rica? No, USA. No. Yes. No. Yes, they did. October. So Trinidad and Tobago, 1 plus 5 is 6, plus 6 is 12, plus 3 is 15, plus 6 is 21 goals. Suck it. All right. Okay. <laughs> hey, guess what? This team won, uh, scored 21 goals during this tournament that everybody said they were pooped in. And scored and conceded zero. They scored 21 goals against Trinidad and Tobago, Guatemala, Haiti, Mexico, and Costa Rica. But the thing is, the majority of these goals, I don't feel, were scored from open play. Most of them were scored because um, a lot of them were Abby, like a long ball punting into her, which is fine. Uh, But a lot of them were, they kind of pinged it into the box. Nobody could get their hand on it. It, it, You know, there was a garbage clearance, and then they shoveled it back in. Well, and that was how I think five of the six goals for the Haiti game were scored off of rebounds so the thing is do you think germany or france or sweden or even you know brazil or japan are going to be giving us a lot of garbage clearances in their own boxes for us to pounce on 
I don't think we'll beat any of those teams six to nothing, but I think that this builds the team's confidence. It builds this team's confidence at the expense of actual, actually developing this team and developing players who are going to be on this team past 2015. Sure. If your long-term goal is to win a World Cup in 2019, uh, yeah. <clears throat> if your long-term goal is to win a World Cup in 2019, then yeah, this this tournament was horrible. No, that's not even my long-term if, goal, though. If, you're, if your short-term goal is to win a World Cup in 10 months, then you need to give this team, which has spent a majority of this year playing on opposite teams and opposite programs under opposite direction, you need to give them time. And, you know, yeah, people complain like, oh, my God, this team has been together for six, seven, eight years and playing the the same same type of soccer ball. But I mean, dude, you get together with your group of friends and it's awkward for a couple minutes. It's awkward for a A couple minutes. It it takes you and it takes takes time for for you to start uh, uh, anticipating and interpreting and. And, you know, really gelling. No, no. Because first they were in camp before this, where they had plenty of time to gel. And then they didn't really gel for four games until Costa Rica. When I get together with my buddies, I am not. I am not. Because this short-term goal to win the 2015 World Cup is going to come at the expense of not even winning in 2019, but a couple years after that. There's actually a really cool CONCACAF conference about developing women's soccer in Philadelphia before the final where um, where they the essential point was it's hard to plan more than about three or four years in advance now because the women's game is developing so quickly. But three years is still over three times as long as I feel like U.S. soccer's current vision lasts. I feel like everything they're doing ends in 2015 and maybe they can use the dregs of that to limp through the Olympics in 2016. It's, I mean... To limp through the Olympics, I like that. I wish I had broken this down by actual minutes played, but the big standouts here were Julie Johnston got no minutes. None. And ostensibly, she's going to be on this team with Morgan Bryan, right? But the thing is, I guess Morgan Bryan is being shoved into defensive mid role when that is a role that JJ comes by naturally. She was defensive mid in college in the U-20s. And then Amy Rodriguez got about 25 minutes total over five games. 25 minutes for Amy Rodriguez, who had probably one of her best club seasons ever. And Jill Ellis is sitting there telling us that she looks at um, current performance when that's a lie. It's a blatant lie. Yes, yes, we won games against, like, second and even, I would say, third-tier teams because Guatemala... Maybe like Haiti and Trinidad and Tobago are kind of on the verge of moving up into kind of that second tier where they're like, they can give you trouble, especially our first game where we played Trinidad and Tobago and came out of that 1-0. But when we go to like the Brazil Four Nations tournament in December or to the Algarve, I, I really, I'm really nervous because I don't see the team playing fluidly. I see people getting shoved into weird roles that they, that don't suit them for no reason whatsoever. It's not encouraging. So you think Amy Rodriguez is the future of the women's national team? I think, no, I think you missed my point, dude. I'm trying to connect your dots because you started the rant with where we don't have a long-term vision. Okay. We don't, we don't see past a year. We don't see past a year and we're not using the best players in the best possible roles. 
That's two <clears> separate <throat> problems then. They don't necessarily all have to be linked into short-term vision. There's lots of problems. There's also I want to argue I want to argue with you so bad because I I just don't I see I see the problems that you're you're bringing to light. I don't see it with the drama that you're associating with it. Um because yeah, okay, we go to Brazil, guess what? What happens if we lose? Jill still has the job. Jill has this job until past the World Cup. So she has to figure out how to fix it. And Jill Ellis, who the players wanted because, hey, guess what? We grew up with Jill. Jill was our coach in the U-20s. But Jill is what they wanted, so they've got to figure out how to make it work. And this team doesn't know how to lose. Like, you saw how quickly the House of Cards fell when they lost at Algarve. They lost two games this year, both in real competition, not friendlies, uh, in Algarve, and they sacked a coach. They brought in a coach that... Almost all the players have gone on record to say, we appreciate her. We we like her style of coaching. She's she's more than just a coach well, because they grew up with her. That's that's just more evidence of like the systemic problems going on with this team. Like they cannot handle failure. They exactly. literally can't. Exactly. So for a team that cannot handle failure, why would they give the keys to kids? Just because, like, we know it's not going to happen doesn't mean we can't advocate for it. That's like saying, I know that there's this problem, but because I don't see the people in charge listening to me or implementing a solution, I should just keep my mouth shut. These problems exist, and we at least have to point them out. Because if we don't, we just sit there and play into this kind of jingoistic, like, all-American meritocracy dream image that U.S. Soccer Federation really wants to push, then I don't think... Mm -hmm that's really engaging with the team on a critical thinking level. Does this team want to engage on a critical thinking level? I'm not talking about the team, I'm talking about fans. Okay. Do do so so you enjoy engaging with fans on a critical thinking level. What about for the rest of us who enjoy watching this team be successful? If people and just want to watch watching this team grow and enjoy watching this team you want, to, you want to enjoy watching the team grow, but there is no growth. The team is stagnant. There, There is growth. It's just their baby steps. They're not monumental Tom Sermani, I'm going to bring in six new players. We Jill been... said she's going to bring in more players for the next camp. She's going to take new players to Brazil. She's going to take new players to Algarve. Um, I'm just not putting up the white flag or raising a, a red flag to say like, oh my God, the, the, the ship is going down. But this isn't like the first time it's happened. It's not an isolated incident. This stuff has been going exactly. on for this, years. This has been happening for, for 15 years. Yeah. So why shouldn't we talk about it and speak out against it? It's, it's systemically wrong. So I should just shut up and enjoy it. Like, no, as long as we're still winning? I'm not winning, saying you shouldn't be speaking We're still about it. pounding in I'm goals just, and, like, rah-rah. You still buy the tickets. You still support this association. Yeah, I still support <clears throat> American women's soccer. Mm -hmm. But I think because I support it, I'm allowed to also criticize it. Because criticism is not to tear the team down. It's to help fix what I see as systemically wrong with it. So that it can endure so, and be better in the future. That's not, like, the point of all this. Why have we been doing 20-plus podcasts? It's not because we hate them. I should really turn my webcam back on because I, I have a big old smile on my face. This has all been an exercise. I know it has. And, like, it makes me really angry at you and not in, like, a fun way. 
Well, this was a failure. Anyway, um... Next big tournament for the women's team is Brazil, Four Nations Tournament. That's early to mid-December, like December 10th. And it's USA, China, Brazil, and Argentina. I'm really eager to see Brazil play, because I, I, I just feel like they haven't had a lot of international competition recently. Yeah, that well, Brazil is uh, going over to Europe and going to be playing quite a few games over there as well. So, um, you know, there you can read that a couple of different ways that the the federation is the the federation is like looking into you know additional resources and trying to get them more exposure and more experience, or is this a PR thing for either federation that they're playing over in Europe? Um, I, I think I think you can look at it one of two, you know, those two ways. But hopefully Brazil takes their A A team. Um, I know the last couple times they've played here in the U.S., uh, we haven't faced the the best Brazilian squad. So I'm hoping Brazil, you know, packs the big guns um, and and really really gives them a run for their money over in over in Europe because you know one one big difference between the American Federation and a lot of other federations is depth. Um, well, I thought you were going to say money. Oh, yeah, there you go. Sorry. One of the big differences between the U.S. Federation and, and other federations is depth and resources. Um, and the American program is pretty, pretty deep. Despite rosters and despite uh, the perception of what the senior team looks like, I mean, there are were 14 women who played uh, for the U.S. Women's National Team in the, since 2013 who didn't play this past uh, tournament, who weren't part of the 20. So we have 34, 35 women um, just in the past two years who have been participating in the program. You know, I, I would be intrigued to see what other nations, uh, what their depth looks like. Uh, I think this is a great opportunity for Brazil to to show something, and hopefully they they bring it. Do you think conspiracy theory time? Do you think it's in Europe because Marta plays there? I'd be intrigued if Marta plays. And Mar- Marta's the player that that it, it, when I was talking about the big gun. I mean, when was the last time Marta actually played for Brazil? Brazil qualified for the World Cup without Marta playing because she, her club wouldn't release her. I don't know how much power Marta has with her federation. I mean, on the one hand, it's Marta. She's easily, like, 95% of their name recognition outside of Brazil. But on the other hand, how much of a shit does the Brazil federation really give about its women's team, including Marta? Well, and I think that's what we're going to see with these Brazilian, with these friendlies in Europe. Huh. You know, does Marta, <clears throat> A, does Marta get permission from her club to play for them? Uh, for Brazil, B, do European teams market them as in, hey, come see Marta and the Brazilians? I think we're going to learn a lot about Brazil's focus going into next year um, from these friendlies. Okay, so speaking of Marta, she was once again shortlisted for the FIFA World Player of the Year, the Blonde Or. The list is Angerer, Vero Boquete, uh, Nola Fisher, Nao Kawasumi, Nadine Kessler, Marta Ayamiyama, Luisa Nassib, Lata Shilin. I've heard it's pronounced Lata Hulin. I don't know. I have no idea. The Swedish are weird. I, I know nothing about that one. As as we know from IKEA, the Swedish don't think like the rest of us. And Abby Wambach. Yeah. I think it's already been said 
year after year after year, the shortlist comes out and you see the same old names on it. And sometimes you see some names where it's like, just because the performance that year was so good, they couldn't be ignored. I think like kind of Naoka Asumi, that's how she got on the list this year. But the others, especially Marta, who didn't have the greatest year, and Abby, who had not the greatest year either, but they have big name recognition. What do you think? Yeah, it's 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 really interesting. So correct me if I'm wrong, but the process is essentially there's a there's a committee within FIFA that nominates these ten players, and then these ten players are then voted on by federation. Uh, national team coaches and captains. Oh, and media. Um, and then one, and then one person from the media of each nation. And those all become public. <laughs> those votes, like the day of the the ceremony or the day after or something like that. And it's really interesting to see who some of these people vote for. Um, there are other big names that are often added to the list for players who have not played in. 12 years and so you know it it, there's not a lot of credibility here and i i think the lack of credibility is also pretty apparent on the men's side so it's not just a fifa doesn't know how to treat women in in this award it's just fifa is 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 a dumb bar a dumb standard for there to be but you know there's all this critical acclaim that goes along with with having that award and you know yeah i fall into the trap too i'm fucking happy nadine Unger is a is a portland thorn because she's the best player and she was the best player in the world last year um you know abby the year that she won it uh well deserved um it's just in these off years where there isn't a major uh international tournament aside from the euros um it's it's difficult. Or the, the Euros weren't even this year. That's why Nadine won last year is because of her performance in the Euros. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, it, it, it kind of comes down to you have to look at what those big international tournaments are. And it's Algarve. It's uh, which FIFA doesn't even recognize. Um, it's it's Champions League and Champions League. I know little to nothing about, but I do know that Vero and Marta, uh, their teams got pretty far along in that. And, and so, you know, maybe that was enough for them, but the, the, the fact that Abby's on there, uh, is, is a, is a pretty big red flag to me. Well, actually Vero, I think she had a good club season with Portland too. So I, I don't really mind Vero being on the list based on, on club play, not just for Portland, but in Europe too. But, yeah, it, it, it's just kind of odd. Um, yeah, I also don't think Anger should have been on the list. She's kind of a carryover from last year because this oh, was... Oh, ab- absolutely. Yeah. I mean, I love Nadine Anger. I love that little German weirdo, but... Yeah, I, I, I think I think there's a lot that goes into the list. One of them is name recognition. Another one is who was on the list, who, who was in the top three last year. Another big one, you know, is who had a lot of media presence. And I made I made that joke on Twitter that, you know, well, who's in the news a lot? Abby, Abby broke her record this year. Um, she's done chasing Mia. She's now up to like, what, 177 goals or something, something like that. Something like that. It's a ridiculous um, number. So she was in the news a lot. But then somebody came back to me and go, went was like, why, why isn't Solo on the list then? So um, it's it's not... It's not foolproof. Nobody really knows how or why uh, these players get picked, but 
it's interesting uh, to kind of gauge the reactions. And it's also interesting to, to what I find really interesting is when the ceremony actually happens and they put the list of who voted for who out. That's what I find really interesting. Okay. So, um, before that award ceremony, they narrow it down to three. So who do you think are going to be the final three off of that list? Mm -hmm. Um, I think it'll be Marta. I think it'll be, I think it'll probably be Abby. Um, and I, I honest to God, have no idea who the third one it would be because I don't watch a lot of European soccer. So those players are a little bit more foreign. <laughs> <laughs> well, Ness, Nadine Kessler actually won a lot last year. She, or was it the year before that? Yeah, she won UEFA Best Women's Player in Europe, Winter 2014. Oh, okay. So that was this year. Yeah. So, so that's a good tell. So I think my final list is going to be like Marta, Abby, and maybe either Kessler or Nao Kawasumi. Kawasumi would be good, but what has Kawasumi done? I mean, aside from her phenomenal, phenomenal club season, yeah. I, so I don't know how much attention the people voting were paying to NWSL, but I think a fair chunk of them were. So I, where's Kim Little? <laughs> no, you're right. They're not I mean, I mean that 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 to me is 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 an indicator of there not being a lot of rhyme or reason to yeah. this. And no, you're absolutely right. You know, if you're watching Seattle Rain games and you're going to vote for Naho, how the hell are you not voting for Kim Little, either above her or in conjunction with her? Yeah, the list I would, the final list I'd want to see is probably uh, Kessler, Kawasumi. And then for the third spot, either Vero or Nilla Fisher, maybe. That's who I want the final three to be. I don't I don't know who I want the final three to be. Um, and I'm going to sound really hipster, but I don't really care about this award. <laughs> no. it's Because it's so dumb. Like, yeah, it is dumb. It's just dumb. Although there's that nice Ron Swanson quote from Parks and Rec where he's like, award ceremonies are dumb, but they'd be less dumb if they went to the right person. Well, Absolutely. Absolutely. And and I feel like they do go to the right person in those years of major competition. Hmm. You know, Sawa won in 2011. Yeah. Abby won in 2012. Hey, guess what? I completely appreciate that. Nadine Onger won last year. I didn't see a lot of people batting an eye at that. No, I supported that one fully. No, you're right. You're right. It's just these off years where there isn't a hell of a lot to, to gauge it against. It's like, well, shit. Yeah. Okay. Um, speaking of Kim Little and Naho, NWSL, the big NWSL trade <sighs> this week. Heyo's leaving the Boston Breakers after three great seasons. I mean, she stuck with us in WPSL Elite, for God's sake. Admittedly, yeah. her husband was finishing a degree at Harvard, so it kind of worked out. But now she's leaving. She's going to FC Casey. And we're getting Casey Coleman and Morgan Marlborough in return. Now, Coleman is a defender, and I really like that pick. Marlboro is a really tall attacking player, but we already had one of those, Kamezarike, who actually didn't get to see a lot of minutes because who the fuck knows what goes through Tom Durkin's mind. I, I, I really am still dealing with this emotionally, and I'm not doing very well. I think we, we gave up a lot and did not get equal value in return. I know it's one for two. We're still not getting equal value. Yeah, I'm I'm intrigued to see how this trade uh, ends up at the end of the day. Um, I mean, I'm really intrigued to see if FCKC, what they do with all of the players that they have on their roster right now, because they are loaded. 
Yeah. Uh, they they are absolutely loaded, and I don't think they can keep it all. I don't think that that a that's a smart move given uh, the World Cup, but b I don't I don't know how they play a, how they find a style that fits all of these players and incorporates in other players that isn't just what the U.S. Women's National Team does. Yeah, you have a really good point in that Coleman and Marlborough will be around for the whole season. I mean, it it sucks to say, but they're not getting called up to the national team. And Cheney, Heo, and possibly A-Rod are going to go to the World Cup. So yeah, you're right. Uh, Brune? Brune, yeah, 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 Brune, definitely. I mean, who knows? Maybe Nicole Barnhart has a magical surgery and... You know, something happens to a goalkeeper, and she's back at the number two. Knock on wood. Ugh, I doubt you, it, though. You, but but they take three up there, and all it takes is one mm-hmm. of the three currently in that spot to not. Don't don't you put that evil on me, Ricky Bobby. I mean, I think those three are going to be Hope, Ashlyn, and Alyssa Nair. Please, God, let Alyssa Nair make this roster. Do you do you take Alyssa Nair if she has zero caps as the number three? Yes. Yes. I think Alyssa Nair might get capped in the Algarve or possibly the Brazil Four Nations. Um, That'd be nice. It would be nice. That 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 would kind of illustrate that uh, Jill is going after some new ideas. Maybe. Maybe. Hmm. Um, The other thing is there's this rumor coming from Woso Zone, who used to be women's football podcast, that Leanne might be leaving the Breakers as well to go back to Arsenal Ladies. And... Honestly, I don't I don't disbelieve it. I would easily believe it. The thing is, so that Sid has left. Um, Kaylin Kyle wanted to be gone. Lisa Devanna wanted to be gone. Hayo's leaving. Leanne's probably leaving. The thing is, these players all seem super happy once they're gone. And some of it is, yeah, wanting to be closer to home. Sid wants... She's in Seattle. She's a lot closer to her mom. Kaylin Kyle is a lot closer to her boyfriend. Um, but... I believe that in addition to that, there's another layer where I think these people are just glad to be well shot of Boston because they find the club here not particularly healthy for them. I would easily believe that based on what we've seen of Tom Durkin screaming at players and not being particularly effective. All I can but, say is I <clears throat> I really hope Tom Durkin gets the boot. Unless he shows some kind of drastic improvement next season, I think that's the first step in, in fixing this club. Well, um... You know, uh, I think we we talked about it uh, a few months ago. Like, where are better coaches? Where how can how can these teams get better coaching support? And it's, I mean, you see mass exodus. Uh, players are doing this shit for barely anything. So if they're going to do that, they want to at least be in a situation that's going to improve their game in some way. And so I think, you know, some of these fundamentals are how does Boston change its reputation? That might have to go all the way up to the top with who's in charge of hiring coaches. And and I, I appreciate that the, the Boston management has actually worked really well with fans, especially over this last season, to be really accommodating. But at the same time, at the same time, I'm not going to let that, you know, glue my mouth shut because... If the coach is the problem, then the person who has to get rid of the problem is is management. Is also a part of the problem. Yeah. So, 
it's it's management's job to find a coach that's going to work with the players. Honestly, at this point, I would I would even accept them being like Christine Lilly is our new coach. That's it. As, as how how do you feel about Cat Whitehill being player coach? I think she did okay, you know, for being thrown into the role, for right, but, for not really but, wanting to do it either. So do you do you think she was better than Durkin? Emotionally for the team, their well being, mentally, yes, I definitely think that. And honestly, if if the players are if it means the players being happier and healthier in a better frame of mind, I wouldn't mind losing every fucking game. As opposed to having a coach who who yells meaningless shit at people from the sidelines. Well, you know, hopefully, hopefully, this league uh, finds some legs, and with the legs come better coaches. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I I I think there's a lot of value in calling coaches out and for calling coaches inadequate, and you know. I think that there there is an issue in in this league where uh, players and coaches just don't get along, and you know that's life. That's that's any professional job, and that's whatever. But um, it's it's one of those situations where it's like, oh my god, why is it so hard to find competent, decent coaches? I mean, you're not going to entice a top level college coach to come to NWSL very easily, I think, because a top How level. How did Randy Waldrum do it? I think he, the Dash must have sent him a really good pitch, right? The, like, you'll have the chance to get on in with his team on the ground level and really shape something. And he seems like the kind of guy who responds well to getting to have a hand and really developing people and seeing their growth, like the way he talks yeah. about Trinidad and Tobago. But, like, for example, I don't think the Breakers could lure Allison Foley away from BC. Not that that's what I want, just as an example, because she she's probably got a decent amount of job security there. I'm not saying she's got Ants and Dorrance level job security, but right. But yeah, yeah, I think it would be hard for a club team to lure a top level NCAA coach away because top level means winning, and winning means job security. So why would they leave what's well, probably a decent paying job if they're from a big university for you know the shit that NWSL gives? Well, the shit that NWSL gives, and the shit that they have to do in the NWSL as well. Um, why would you leave a, a big program where you're staffed um, to, to come to the NWSL that's a little bit more mom and pop? You know, that's that's exactly what I what I always and I'm going to make this about me for a second. Uh, it's exactly what I always think about when thinking about Paul Riley and his decision to come to the NWSL. I was like, why wasn't Paul Riley being approached by colleges you know, it's 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 a lot of questions, uh, and and not entirely certain that um, the right questions are being asked uh, at the right levels. But hopefully, it's something that the Boston can't ignore. Heyo leaving, they they have to realize that there was an issue there. There has to be an e- exit interview, or you know, there doesn't have to be, but there should have been an exit interview where Heyo laid it all out on the line if she hadn't done that already. And so it's 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 one of those things where you you, you just kind of have to have to wish and hope and and pray that you know it it's gonna get better. So last bit of news: we finally know all the countries that are gonna be participating in Algarve and Cyprus in, next year, which is exciting because yeah. there are some new ones. Algarve is 
you know, it's never exactly been small potatoes, even if it's not FIFA sanctioned. But this year it's Brazil, China, Denmark, Germany, France, Iceland, Japan, Norway, Portugal, Sweden, Switzerland, and us. The countries that aren't returning from last year are Austria, North Korea, and Russia. And then we added France, Brazil, and Switzerland. France and Switzerland are hopping over from Cyprus, actually. So so it's it's almost like, I wonder if Algarve's going to switch their format this year. Or if they're going to stick with the format of two, two competitive groups and one not so competitive Like a developmental group? group? Okay, yeah. I don't see who you'd put in the developmental group. Exactly. Out of this. Like, exactly. Like, like this, this all is just so yummy. Yeah. So this is going to be a proper tournament with proper stakes on the line. Not that it was a cakewalk before, but it's definitely moving on up. It was a cakewalk that we got seventh place in. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's the other thing. Hopefully for Algarve, we'll see more fluid style of play. We'll see a lot more uh, passing connection. I mean, USA, yeah, we can talk about pass completion, but we also need to talk about how many passes in sequence. Like, I I was counting passes during most of the games, and I often don't get above five or six. Really? I rarely got to eight to ten passes in a row. And a lot of times the passing sequence included buildup from the back, which is just, you know, Sauerbrunn passing to Rampone and back, or some, you know, just kind of some patient play, the fullbacks right fussing around right. amongst themselves so yeah part of the passing sequences weren't even like good connections to the midfield or up the flanks every once in a while it was there but it was super inconsistent which is interesting yeah i um i i, I would be intrigued i thoroughly enjoyed the podcast you did uh with sarah it was it was informative it was great um you should go pro you should you should give up this amateur drunk shit and and go pro because you guys have a good uh dialogue but um, what I really enjoyed was the talk about data and the talk about um, how a game feels when you're watching it versus what the data tells you at the end of it. Um, because I would had had we said, okay, how many? What would have been the highest pass pass completion um, sequence of the entire tournament? I, w- I would have said it would have been upwards of twelve or fourteen passes. Every once in a while, uh, for I the U.S. Counted, women's national yeah. team. I counted that high a couple of times. So it's okay. not like we can't do it. I'm just saying the majority of the time I'd get to about five or six and then, you know, turn over in the midfield or they'd boot it in the box and lose control and have to right. respond to that and get, you know, so. Well, and there's there's a bit of a maturity that goes along with that. I mean, my definite player of the tournament was not Megan Rapino. I almost ate my hat like six or seven times and I only watched three games. Um, I was just I was just extremely disappointed with her attitude. She wasn't playing like what I thought Mega Rapino could play like. Me neither. I was extremely frustrated, but I was also really, really happy with the play of a lot of other players. I think Cheney did a really great job with number six. I, I can see how it's frustrating, and I can see how how uh, how she you know is learning in that role. But I think she did a, a good job. I think she did a really good job. Cheney is too good a player not to do a good job, but it's not maximizing her her ability when you have other people who are natural defensive midfielders but then again maybe maybe that's part of it because she is more attack minded so they're wanting a more attack minded defensive midfielder right to spray out long balls from deep i think so i mean you look at how attacking focused this team was during this tournament and oh my god we're 
back, circling back to stage one. But if you look at how attacking focused this team was during this tournament, it gives it gave me chills. The fact that all players were attacking, and not just because we were playing against Costa Rica and Guatemala and Haiti and these these other you know Concacaf teams that aren't you you know Canada and Mexico, but everybody was making movement and not just to score a goal. Well, the thing is, we can afford to do that. Sometimes I swear to God, we were playing in like a four zero six against some of these teams. The thing is. Can you afford to have, like, one and a half attacking mids, essentially, against uh, Japan or Germany? Or do you need an attacking mid and then a true defensive midfielder who gets stuck in, breaks up play in the midfield, right, and kind of gets possession going for your team? I'm not saying Lauren Cheney would be bad at that, but I'm also saying I think someone else could be better. I, I completely agree somebody else could be better, but I think Cheney could be a badass at that. I think Cheney has the mindset that the team needs, and and maybe that's maybe you know there are a lot of factors um, that that go into like what made Shannon Box such a fantastic player uh, in that position, and and you know I think maybe Cheney grabbed a little bit of that torch, and she just needs to pass that torch on to to JJ if if that's the role that JJ wants. But who knows? I mean, who knows what Jill Ellis uh, has in store for JJ? You know, I'd be intrigued to, to read an article, uh, to, to read an interview with her to hear, what have you actually been practicing? What role have you been practicing on this team? Because we, we got blown away with Morgan Bryan. Morgan Bryan practicing a number six, really? But yeah, I'm super, super excited about Algarve. I am considering taking half days so that I can watch uh, the morning matches um, because, and, and I'm really, really hoping like Fox soccer is kind of going all in on the women's world cup. It feels like um, unofficially, or maybe even officially they're going all in on coverage and I love it as well. They should like, I absolutely love it. Like, uh, you know, they, they did great pregame coverage, great halftime, great, uh, little snippets of information here and there. They put together a pretty great, uh, pretty good team of uh, commentators, analysts. Um, you know, a lot of a lot of former players. But I'm I'm wondering if anybody's going to get the rights to Algarve. I I hope they do. God, do you remember that Michigas? It was what two years ago where um, that independent streaming company tried yeah. to essentially kickstart. And then it ended up not working out. Well, yeah, because yeah. the people were like, oh, my God, this is really expensive. I think Algarve might be on in, on European TV, actually. Oh, and if Japan's there, it'll be on on Japanese TV. I'm yeah. just I'm just wondering if anybody's going to get the rights to it mm-hmm. from a U.S. media perspective. There's going to be some exciting games, no yeah, matter what group we get drawn really into. really good games. Um, the other non-FIFA-sanctioned tournament is Cyprus in March. Right. So that's Australia, Belgium, Canada, Czech Republic, England, Finland, Italy, I think Mexico, Netherlands, New Zealand, Scotland, South Korea. There's not really any pushovers in that group either. So, wait, you said Mexico, right? Yeah. Okay. Uh, I think Mexico is to be confirmed. Like, as we said, France and Switzerland jumped over to Algarve. Uh, Republic of Ireland is not coming back. And then the teams they added this year were Belgium, Czech Republic, and once again possibly Mexico. I think Algarve is going to be a little more exciting. There's a little more quality 
showing uh, across the board there, but I think Cyprus is going to be exciting too. Yeah, I both of those spring tournaments are a shit ton of fun to watch, to follow. Unfortunately, last year we were having heart attacks and utter confusion over what the fuck was going on. But at the same time, I mean... I think we also, I think that was like right around the time we started podcasting. Um, Cause I thought, <laughs> I thought that we did a podcast that was like, stop freaking the fuck out. It's okay. Yeah. We did a podcast about when we, you know, shit ourselves, the last Algarve, we were like, don't panic just yet. <laughs> and then Tommy Sermani got fired. <laughs> and we were like, okay, clearly somebody is panicking. So somebody, somebody gave a shit. Yeah. Um, Somebody somewhere was shitting something. I really like that there's more tournaments or like the existing tournaments are getting increased competition um, because we can't just have two big tournaments every four years. It can't just be World Cup and then Olympics and then no like white noise. So I'm I'm really happy. I'm really excited. Yeah. Oh, and speaking of big international games, England's playing Germany at Wembley uh, November 23rd. And they've sold over 33,000 tickets already. That's going to be fantastic. That's going to be a great game, a uh, great atmosphere, regardless of what the result is. Go England. Right. Um, yeah. I think I'm going for Germany in that one. Oh, okay. Well, nobody's perfect. <laughs> um, and I'm about to, as of record time, watch Canada versus Japan game two, which is another high-level game. I am, I'm hoping for Canada to at least come out of this with a clean sheet that's that's my hope that would be progress i am hoping for everybody to get a good good look at the bc place field and conditions and i am going to try to stay away from social media because i know that's all that everybody's going to be talking about for probably the first 20 minutes of that match well the turf lawsuit picked up some more steam because um the the plaintiff's side essentially uh, claimed retaliation by FIFA and by the CSA, but I feel like they just included them because they included them in the original complaint. The CSA pretty much categorically denied any accusations of retaliation, but I would easily believe FIFA was involved because Teresa Noyola flat out said, I was told if I continued with this, like put my name on it, I would not be included on the roster for qualification. That was quite the the update that came out on Monday. That and then what was the other? There was uh, two French players. French team. I believe it was Abelie and Busaglia who <clears throat> said um, we were told basically it wouldn't look good for France's bid in 2019 if we were involved with this lawsuit. So we, you know, they didn't want to be involved. And but there's I, still one French player who's on the lawsuit still. There were a lot of names on this, a lot of big names. It was nice. There were 20 Americans, uh, U.S. Women's National Team players, 18 Germans, which was pretty nice. Although a lot of the Germans are some of the lesser capped Germans, but uh, you know we also had some Americans who had, you know, fewer caps too. So there are a lot of names. We've got 13 countries that are on that list. Uh, but there are some big, big hitters within the women's game that I'm actually really surprised aren't on the list, like Sweden. Yeah. Um, no but, England. You know, either. in Sweden, they play a lot of games on turf anyway. So I'm wondering if they don't see it as, as big of a deal. But yeah, heavy American and German involvement, which um, a lot of people were speculating as to why that is. And I think Gerke had a good point that maybe these are federations where players feel enough uh, safety and security and are like big enough names and they're well established federations 
So there are a lot of factors that go into why they feel like they can speak out. Well, there are six six ferns. Yeah. Uh, who who are on there? You know, Hannah Wilkinson. Yep. In the world of gender discrimination, at least in America, retaliation is a huge no-no. So if they can show that there was this intimidation by FIFA, and I don't see how they wouldn't when they have Teresa Noyola like literally saying, I was told if I went ahead with this, I wouldn't be put on the roster, not for performance reasons, etc. Maybe FIFA will try to shove that off onto Mexico and let the Mexican Federation take the fall for them. I could see that happening as well. Yeah. Well, you know, I think the first the first indicator of all of this to me is, hey, guess what? FIFA FIFA kind of sort of recognizes that there might actually be a lawsuit out there and somebody is trying to hand them something. It's a pretty tight podcast this week. I'm on a time constraint. But Gab, is there anything else you wanted to get in? Maybe talk about the good old days in the 40s and 50s? We were so close. <laughs> So close to getting through an entire one without you mentioning that. Um, no, no. Uh, excited for the silly season, the NWSL silly season uh, to really pick up. You know, the the draft is in January, so if you can get out and watch some college soccer ball, because uh, a lot of those seniors are going to be participating in the draft and the the college cups and tournaments and. All that different stuff are, are right around the corner. So if you have a local team, uh, head on out and support them. We got to keep things moving during the off season because it's a long, dark, cold off season. I, I will probably hear that anybody <clears throat> who does anything at the Boston Breakers wants to leave. That's you know, including Marlboro and Coleman. They'll they'll all want to leave. Well, what do you what what do you think will happen to Boston? And then we'll just field a team of reserve players and dude, you could be a breaker. And yeah, and me, I'll I'll be <laughs> playing for the Boston Break. That's how dire it'll be. You could be a breaker. What number would you be? Um, not position, but what would your kit number be? Uh, number eight. I was eight in high school, and I liked it. So, okay. Yeah. Okay. Would you put Thrace on the on the back? Uh. <laughs> Yes, yes, I would, instead of my <laughs> legal name. I'm sure the league would get, let me get away with that. And now I got to go watch Canada struggle against Japan for two hours. <laughs> go Japan. Go Japan. <sighs> okay. So, you live a hard life, man. I know. You live a hard life.